This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. So the date is finally locked in. Australians will be voting in a referendum on October 14 to decide if there should be amendments to the constitution to enshrine an Indigenous voice to parliament. So in this Squiz Shortcut, we'll get you across the basics of the referendum, the key arguments to the yes and no cases, and what happens next depending on the results. Squiz Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, the prospect of a referendum on the question of establishing a voice to parliament has been on the card since the Albanese government won power back in May last year. Since then, there's been a lot of speculation on when the date would be locked in. You and Kate might need to be uh, termed election oracles because you <laughs> nailed it, October 14. Look, I'd like to say we were the only ones <laughs> predicting that. Pretty much everyone was predicting that. But all roads did seem to be leading to that date and that was announced by Prime Minister Anthony Albanese at an event in Adelaide. That carries some symbolism being in Adelaide and that's because that's where the successful 1967 referendum was launched. It was one of the few referendums that's been successful in our history. Uh, What it did was finally allow Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to be officially counted in the census as well as to have laws made for them. Yeah, so a bit of symbolism there for sure. So we've had a fair few squizzes ask for an update on The Voice and the referendum and we've been holding off until the date was announced. Now it has, so let's get into it. Starting with the basics, for a referendum to succeed, you need two things, a national majority of voters, so that is more than 50% of all Aussies voting yes, plus you need a majority of the states. So that's at least four of the six states to individually have yes votes of more than 50%. Yeah, and sorry goes to squizzes in the ACT and the Northern (laughs) Territory. You guys do not count on that second front. You go towards that national total. And when it comes to looking at the benchmarks for success in another way, yes, campaigners can only afford to lose two states. So they need a majority of people who live there in the rest. Uh, We know that there are a bunch of polls that have indicated over the last few months that the Yes campaign is really struggling, particularly in Queensland and Western Australia. And look, we say this at least three times a week here at the Squeers, take poll results with a (laughs) grain of salt. But Claire, we did our own survey about The Voice and we had over 2,200 Squeezers answer questions on it. So we do know that there are quite a few undecided people out there, certainly enough to get the Yes case up in some states if most went that way, which is all a bit of speculation as well. Uh, What is certain is that the real work starts now for both the yes and no cases. Yeah, it absolutely does. And it's similar to an election campaign uh, in that it's only now that those genuinely undecided people will actually start to pay much attention to it. So what we'll see from both sides is a lot of focusing on the messages to try and grab those people's attention, uh, as well as securing the states like South Australia, which is where our Prime Minister announced this date, uh, 
those sort of attentions going to the places where they think they can win the arguments. Now, I know not every Australian has got it yet, but some of our team have got their mailed out hard copy of the official referendum booklet. Some of the team have looked at it carefully. Some have left it in the junk mail. I'm pretty sure mine's still in the bottom of the pram where I generally toss those kinds of things, but I will dig it out. Uh, But look out for that pamphlet because it's setting out the arguments of both the yes and the no side. Yeah, and it's pretty standard that when we get a referendum, there are official yes and no cases that are published by the Australian Electoral Commission in this document that goes to all Australians in hard copy. Uh, The case for each side is allowed 2,000 words where they can put that into the pamphlet and it really sums up their best arguments of why they think what they think. Pretty old-fashioned to have a printed booklet, but one thing that does stand out is that in the interest of fairness, the AEC doesn't allow one side just to hog all of the first pages. They have to alternate pages. So the yes case is Mm. set out on pages 10, 12 and 14 and the no case is set out on 11, 13 and 15. Seems a bit disjointed but. (laughs) Yeah, look, it's a way of doing it to make sure that there is some fairness in that and sort of suspect that people reading it cover to cover. They won't be a huge (laughs) proportion of the population. Uh, But for those who really do get into it, you're kind of forced to read both sides with that format and that can only be a good thing. Yeah, for sure. So what we're going to do now is take a quick look at the arguments from both sides. We'll get into the yes case first. They say it's about recognising Indigenous people in our constitution, listening to advice and getting better results in health, education and housing. The headlines for the no case is that this constitutional change is risky and would invite legal challenge, that we don't have enough detail and that it's divisive. Yeah, so we can end this podcast now. You've summed it all up. Wrap it up. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Look, and in that official booklet, it goes deeper than that and you can really see both sides, their cases being refined, mostly because of what's come before. So there's already been quite a bit of discussion. So there is basically a bit of a response to what the opposing campaigns have been saying with the Yes campaign, really focusing on persuading people that a voice will achieve concrete results, uh, that it will ensure that Indigenous people have a better life and really just trying to counter those who are saying that it would just be a talk fest. Yeah, it says governments have spent billions trying to improve life expectancy and housing and education and it hasn't worked and that this is the best chance of actually listening to Indigenous Australians and really changing outcomes. Yeah, that's right. And as for the no case, it's arguing that the voice won't help Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, that it's just going to be more bureaucracy. Uh, It says that there's already a National Indigenous Australians Agency It employs 1,400 people uh, and that the voice would just be another unnecessary layer. The no case also says the voice will open doors for activists. That's a quote in the booklet. It's also picked out a lot of comments from prominent voice supporters who are open about the fact that they see this referendum as a first step to reparations and compensation. Yeah, and as you've probably clocked, Prime Minister Albanese has spent quite a bit Mm. of time insisting in recent weeks that this referendum is only about a voice to parliament, that it's not about other aspects that's outlined in that Uluru statement from the heart, doesn't open the door to all of those other things, and that it's just really an indication that the fact that they've picked up on that in that booklet is that that argument's starting to get some traction. We'll be hearing a lot more on that in the lead up to October 14. All right, next up, we're going to take a look at what could happen depending on which way Australians vote. 
Okay, so I know I'm jumping ahead a bit when I say we've still got six weeks to go <laughs> to the referendum, but what I really want to know, Claire, I wake up on October 15, the votes are counted, then what? Yeah, so let's take a look if, if there's a no vote first. Um, basically, it's vexed and uncertain is probably the short way of putting it. Uh, it's important to note, though, that the Prime Minister says that there is no plan B to get the voice off the ground uh, if there is a no vote and that he's not considering another form of constitutional recognition for Indigenous Australians. Um, what he has said, and this is his quote, uh, if the referendum fails, it will be a clear sign that it doesn't have the support of the Australian people. The reason this has become a thing is because coalition leader Peter Dutton has said, and it's in the official no case, that he would support recognition of Indigenous Australians in the constitution, but not the voice. Exactly. So what he is trying to argue is that there's still a way forward for constitutional recognition if the no case wins the referendum. Constitutional recognition, of course, uh, what the government is proposing is via the voice. And I guess it's a bit of a complex part of this whole chapter, um, there is broad support for constitutional recognition for First Nations people, and that's something that's been discussed quite a bit. Um, it's seen as an important thing to do because the Constitution is our founding document and that there should be an acknowledgement of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, uh, their cultures, their heritage as a proud part of our shared national identity. Right. But the Uluru Statement from the Heart, that document that came out of a convention to work out what recognising Indigenous Australians in the Constitution could mean, did go much further than that. Yeah, it did. So it's a proposal to set up this body that will advise government. And if you want to get into all of that, we've done shortcuts episodes on the Uluru Statement from the Heart as well as The Voice. And I guess the point that Albanese is making is that there's no alternative on his desk anyway to deliver constitutional recognition that doesn't have The Voice. Whereas what Dutton is saying is that they can find a way to do that just without this body that comes with The Voice. All right, let's pull this back a little to the yes and no cases. A few other things to note that if Australia does say no, constitutional law professor Cheryl Saunders says there would be a deep examination of why people didn't vote yes and also on the difficulty of changing the constitution. Yeah, so given the last successful referendum was nearly 50 years ago, mm. that was in 1977, um, that's a pretty fair observation you'd have to think. Um, people like Noel Pearson, who is one of the architects of the proposal for The Voice, he says that if this referendum fails, there would be endless protests by Indigenous Australians and reconciliation would essentially be dead. But on the flip side of that, Pearson also says that if a yes vote did get up, it would be a tectonic positive change. Yeah, he reckons that it'll put a lot of the bad stuff behind us as a country if we vote yes and on the mechanics of how it would work if we do get a yes vote. Uh, if the referendum passes, it will go to the Governor-General for assent, uh, which is a formality. The Governor-General can't change the result. Just it. <laughs> exactly. And the constitution will be formally changed. But then the grunt work really starts because the parliament has to design and then pass the legislation for the voice. Right. And we would expect parliament would begin consultation almost immediately with Indigenous communities as well as the broader public to finalise all the details on how the voice would work. But it's not like the voice would be operating by the end of the year. Absolutely not. And even with pretty uncomplicated legislation <laughs> that goes through parliament, it goes through a committee process, there are hearings to make sure that it's robust. Um, it doesn't have to drag on though, even though there are these 
processes that they go through, um, there has been a referendum working group that's already proposed a model of how the voice would work. Uh, it reckons that the voice would be 24 members selected by Indigenous Australians from around the country. They would be able to formally table advice to Parliament on the issues that affect them. But all of that needs legislation and it means that it, all of the issues have to be flushed out. We are going to be talking about this a lot over the next mm. six weeks, but for now, that is your shortcut to the voice referendum. Now, on to our recommendations. Claire, just one recommendation from us this week, and that is to point squizzes to what we're doing in the lead up to the referendum. Yeah, so we've got a home base for all of this content on our website. That's where you can dive in. You can see our previous shortcuts that sets all of this up for you. Uh, there's a quick snapshot of the voice, the proposal, and also those yes and no cases. And Claire, we're going to be bringing back our Ask the Squiz podcast episodes <laughs> for this. Long-term squizzes will remember that we did this during the election. Yeah. So if you've got questions about the referendum, about the voice, whatever's on your mind, send them through to us. Yeah, we're going to have a go at answering those just send them through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. We'll be saying that a fair bit over the next six <laughs> weeks. You've got a bit of time to get those questions answered, but bring them on. Bring them on because all of this is about making you feel informed. That resource page can be found at thesquiz.com.au forward slash voice referendum. As always with what we do at The Squiz, it's agenda free, it's opinion free. So please do check it out. And importantly, if you've got mates that are saying as a lot of my mates are, oh gosh, I've got a lot of reading mm. to do ahead of the vote. We're hoping this page is is for them and for you, a one-stop shop to kind of get across the main arguments for both cases. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. Nice to be back on a podcast. It's been a while for me. Nice to have you back. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Until next time. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.